Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Books in French Studies, discussions with scholars of France and the Francophone world about their new books. I'm your host, Roxanne Panchassi. My guest today is Anne Johal, the author of Ecological Metapolitics, Badiou and the Anthropocene, and the book was published by Atropos Press in 2015. Hi there, Anne. Hi, Roxanne. Great to be here. Could you get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you came to work on Badiou? Uh, yeah, I I'd, uh, predominantly worked as a social activist in Vancouver, both um, here and also in the Middle East, uh, working on human rights questions. And in my graduate work, uh, I had done international economic relations and had, um, you know, felt very limited by the theoretical landscape that was in international relations and uh, trying to work through questions of social change and political change. And uh, because of those frustrations and working in these traditional fields, uh, found a kind of interest in continental philosophy and particularly uh, the French strain of continental philosophy in the 1960s uh, in terms of dealing with political and social change. And so uh, not only was it uh, rich uh, and in- interesting work related to questions I was interested in, but it also partially came out of a frustration out of the limits of uh, theoretical um, uh, concepts in uh, fields like international relations and, and political science. I sort of feel like the first big question I want to ask you, Am, is, who is Alain Badiou? Can you give us a sketch of this towering intellectual figure and what your interactions with him and his work have been? Yeah, um, uh, Alain Badiou um, has um, become a much more popular figure in the English-speaking world uh, since the 2000s and, and his uh, the English translation of Being an Event his uh, most well-known book didn't happen until 2005. And mm-hmm. so in some sense, uh, he's become uh, much more well-known outside of France, uh, much more recently. Uh, he's in his late 70s right now. But his uh, theoretical um, background is important in French philosophy, is I think particularly important if you look at the kind of long moment in, in French history. Uh, his father was a member of the French resistance and later on became uh, mayor of a city. Um, uh, Alain Badiou grew up in that kind of political uh, context of the of the French resistance. And in that time of uh, the 60s, uh, French philosophy was a very rich uh, period. He, for a period of time, uh, had his own television show uh, where he interviewed philosophers. Uh, but his uh, theoretical um, kind of influences uh, involved uh, almost in this order in a way uh, Jean-Paul Sartre, uh, Louis Althusser, and Jacques Lacan. Mm-hmm. And and he was heavily involved uh, after that in the 70s in uh, a, a very French strain of Maoism uh, that were involved in uh, theoretical questions that Mao had posed. It was a very militant period in the 70s and in the uh, early 80s uh, with uh, Althusser's structuralism and Lacan's work following somewhat out of fashion, uh, Badiou himself uh, moved away from a much more militant, politicized philosophy uh, into a more systematic um, one, which uh, brought uh, mathematical concepts uh, into questions of being. Mm -hmm. And so um, uh, it definitely has... uh, 
uh, changed substantially uh, over the years in terms of what his interests are, but certainly uh, his work being an event is something that uh, a work that has um, continued to resonate as well as logics of worlds in the following uh, the follow up to that book. Uh, but in 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 terms of his interventions, whether it's in ethics, uh, metapolitics, the the kind of speculative turn in continental philosophy, uh, he's uh, moved uh, through. Um, those big moments. Um, and of course, French philosophy is full of lots of fights. There's a very well-known <laughs> one between him and Deleuze. Um, but I think what's uh, interesting uh, about him is that he uh, continues to remain uh, uh, fully committed to a kind of militant tradition. And uh, in his late 70s, um, uh, continues to have uh, tremendous output in terms of his, his thinking and in terms of a new generation of students who are uh, continue to be interested in his in his work. And you've had the opportunity um, to participate in seminars led by Bedu, is that right? Yeah, that's right. I, I sat in seminars of his in 2012 and lectures by him. I attended uh, a master class with him at the University of Amsterdam as uh, part of a conference. And so I'd actually originally, as part of my dissertation, was going to be looking at uh, uh, questions related to um, climate change and international relations and movement and and thinking about space and originally wasn't thinking of working with Badu's work but in his seminars of 2012 at European Graduate School he spent a couple of days going through uh, the environmental question the larger question of climate change as a part of his uh, discussion and he really uh, hasn't had a long uh, a history of delving into environmental questions. And so uh, after being, you know, very influenced by uh, some of those seminars, decided to uh, combine what I was originally planning to do and and place it around uh, bringing Badu's work into the environmental questions, kind of forcing these things uh, together, even though uh, it wasn't something Badu had been associated with as other uh, um, uh, philosophers in the French tradition had been like uh, Bruno Latour or Michel Serre. I want to come back to something you mentioned there about doing this. So this book is a published version of your doctoral thesis that you completed at the European Graduate School. And I, I know we have a number of graduate students who listen to the podcast. So I'm just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about working at the European Graduate School and what that experience was like doing your doctoral work there. Yeah, I, I think uh, it, it is very much an experimental school uh, based in Switzerland, and one of the values of it is the quality of the people that they bring there to uh, lecture and give seminars. So I had a absolutely fantastic experience uh, being there uh, in terms of being able to take seminars with people like Giorgio Agamben and Judith Butler, uh, Jacques Rancière, um, Avital Ronel, uh, many, many others. And uh, it, it is very um, uh, an independent program. There isn't a lot of support in between the years that you're there, uh, but certainly being able to spend time uh, with these thinkers that have influenced uh, continental philosophy over many, many years and actually seeing them debate one another sometimes in public settings. Uh, it's a very, very rich uh, experience uh, to, to be there. And I had an absolutely uh, fantastic time uh, uh, in terms of uh, 
of uh, new thinking in terms of being challenged uh, uh, related to uh, questions in continental philosophy. And it wasn't just specific to my topic, but, you know, there's something, uh, there's not that many experiences you can have, like sitting in a, a class with Judith Butler where she's working through Walter Benjamin. It's quite uh, mm-hmm. an extraordinary um, thing to, to go through. And in the same way, uh, seminars with Badu were, uh, absolutely life-changing for, I think, many people uh, in the program. I think it's, it's one of the few places I've gone to where when a seminar ended, some students were literally crying because it was over. That sounds pretty incredible. All right, well, let's talk about the book. In your preface, um, you present this project as one that, and I'm quoting you here, interfaces Alain Badiou's philosophical work on militant political change with the contemporary question of ecology and the geological epoch referred to as the Anthropocene. So we've already talked a little bit about Badiou and his history. Let me ask you to say a little bit more about this notion of the Anthropocene. Yeah, uh, the Anthropocene is actually quite um, a debated topic as to uh, what it means, uh, what era does it refer to, Mm -hmm. and in fact, the geologists right now are trying to officially to see if it will be known as uh, an, an era, and that's going to be determined sometime, I think, in 2017. Um, uh, but it, it refers to um, the geological period where human beings are making such an impact that it, in fact, is a, a geological uh, epic similar to the Holocene or others that have preceded it, uh, that this, uh, from a historical point of view, uh, places uh, the human um, at uh, uh, at the center of these uh, profound changes happening uh, at the global level in a planetary uh, sense. Uh, for some people, uh, this period begins uh, when humans enter the earth in the beginning of the agricultural revolution. Uh, still others uh, refer to it uh, at the time of the British, um, uh, the industrial uh, revolution uh, in Britain with the development of the steam engine and other things in the, in the, in the 17th and 18th century. Other people uh, refer to it uh, as the period following the Second World War, um, uh, which uh, is also referred to as the Great uh, Accelerations. But uh, certainly uh, the period where uh, capitalism takes off, where human impact is having a direct impact uh, on the climate, in a, in a new and profound sense where the very uh, question of existence is put uh, onto the table. So I, I certainly uh, uh, define that as a period beginning uh, with the Industrial Revolution uh, and certainly followed by the Great Acceleration from the Second World War where uh, it, it becomes scientifically uh, verified, this human uh, impact uh, on the planet. Well, as I look at your title, um, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to define ecological metapolitics your term that you're using and mobilizing in the book, because we're going to be talking about it for the next little while. But I did want to ask a question about the significance of the use of the term terms ecology and ecological. And if you could say a word about, well, why not environment? What, what does it mean to use ecology and ecological rather than environment or environmental? Uh, I wanted to uh, place uh, ecology within a, a political uh, context uh, for Badu and the way he approaches the ecological uh, question is that, you know, yes, it certainly has to do with, uh, it has to do with nature, it has to do with other living beings, uh, but uh, the question of ecology as it's placed into a contemporary context 
is ultimately mediated uh, through a subject, uh, through a human subject. And so uh, in this sense, the use of ecology and defined in uh, a, a concept of uh, political change uh, as well as that's a human concept mediated through um, humans in terms of the question of existence, uh, not just for the human species, but for uh, other uh, living beings and of the natural world uh, itself. So it was a kind of uh, placing uh, ecology into a politicized context uh, in particular. So in some sense, uh, this book deals more with uh, change and and politics uh, more so than perhaps traditionally uh, environmental questions that you might find in analytical philosophy or other strains of continental philosophy. You point out early on that the project is about thinking through ecology in philosophy, but are careful to note that it's not an attempt to suture philosophy to politics. Could you say a little bit more about that distinction in terms of your arguments in the book and your approach as a reader and writer? Yeah, uh, in uh, uh, since uh, Badu was uh, also my uh, advisor and I was working through his work, I had to defend my use of him in front of him. <laughs> and so for Badu, uh, he... Uh, views, uh, truths um, uh, exists outside of philosophy. And so for him, uh, politics, uh, love, science, and art are the fields which uh, produce truths. And for him, when uh, philosophy sutures itself onto one of its conditions, it produces a disaster that philosophy uh, ought to mediate and consider uh, within these fields where truths emerge, the consideration of philosophical concepts. Uh, when philosophy sutures itself onto politics, uh, it becomes a kind of propagandic exercise that doesn't function as a place of thinking. And so uh, this was uh, what I was trying to um, d- uh, define there uh, early on as, uh, you know, rather than calling it uh, uh, ecological politics, it was called ecological metapolitics in order to uh, create a place to consider uh, metapolitical questions uh, apart from what would be the day-to-day uh, political struggles associated with ecology. In the introduction to the book, Am, you you note that Badia isn't really viewed as an ecological thinker or someone thinking through these anthropocenic problems per se. But the first chapter of the book does explore his own work on ecological questions and issues. So what has he had to say about these things and how does that fit into his broader uh, oeuvre in a philosophical and, and a political sense? Uh, He's done some uh, interviews um, in the past where he raises a kind of skepticism around ecological questions, uh, around the rights of nature, and even refers to it in parts as a kind of contemporary form of the opium of the people. For him, uh, the social and the uh, political question of equality is a much larger question, and so he wants those questions situated uh, together. So for him... Uh, a lot of the ecological question is a kind of greenwashing uh, for him. And these are, these are older interviews. Uh, in the seminars that I was able to uh, attend, um, he talks about a kind of dialectic between change and tradition. And he also situated uh, that particular lecture in terms of the task of the old man. He was referring 
uh, to himself as somebody near the end of life, that anyone at the end of life is trying to transmit a kind of tradition. And uh, tradition can sometimes be situated on the side of change and sometimes on the side of a repetition of the world uh, as it is. And so he uh, gets into these questions of capitalism where he says, you know, capitalism also is a kind of change itself. It, it, it wants a kind of uh, monstrous desire uh, for newness. And so when we talk about change, uh, what exactly are we talking about? And in uh, the ecological question, uh, he sees uh, an idea of a kind of a call for a new modern tradition, uh, uh, something that actually is connected to um, uh, uh, a traditional sense rather than one of newness, but also is a is a move away from the contemporary uh, capitalist condition, and so these are the questions he kind of uh, works through in his seminars related to ecology. So, in this chapter, um, you really are starting to work towards definitions of ecology, sort of after Badu, and a definition of your notion of ecological metapolitics. So, I guess I'm wondering, how does philosophy help? How do these ideas of what it means to live, die, mourn, the event help you to come up with a, a definition of this notion of ecological metapolitics? Yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, many uh, political, social movements, previous ecological movements um, bring up uh, questions of catastrophe, of um, the end of days, um, uh, these types of, of questions. Other times, uh, the ecological question rests on particular tactical struggles. We should save this uh, forest, uh, this needs to be shut down in order to save the planet. And so there tends to be uh, sometimes a kind of hysteria associated with it. And sometimes I think a place like philosophy can allow for uh, a place for broader uh, questions of the relations between human technology and nature to uh, raise new types of questions that the uh, ecological question that the Anthropocene uh, brings to the the forefront. So in in some sense, these are actually age-old philosophical questions that, you know, go back to uh, Plato and other people in the the continental tradition. In some sense, uh, it's about asking old questions uh, anew, uh, within this uh, particular uh, context and with the ecological question um, at the center of it. And so, uh, and also I think uh, what I would add to that is that what has traditionally circulated as environmental philosophy, I had a profound frustration with. I got um, uh, large anthologies on environmental ethics, environmental philosophy, and I found in reading through them that uh, there wasn't for me a lot there that I found inspiring or interesting in terms of what the stakes of the question uh, appear to be today. And so in that sense, it was uh, uh, by going through Badu's work, it it seemed to me uh, because of his relationship to considering questions of militant political change, which in some sense I suppose I believe is is needed in the ecological question, that it it seemed to me uh, a way to refresh that um, uh, conversation within continental philosophy. In the second section of the book, Am, you you put it a slightly different way, which is that you say that definitions of, and I'm quoting you again, uh, definitions of political philosophy, environmental ethics, 
democracy, and human rights are too contaminated to effectively consider the paradox of the ecological question today. Could you say a little bit more about what you're getting at here? Yeah, in in two of Badu's books, uh, Metapolitics and Ethics, he takes quite a heavy-handed approach where he um, uh, basically um, uh, does an attack on on what he considers um, uh, the false paradigm of political philosophy, which he views as a, a kind of philosophy of the state. And so his definition of politics, which has a relationship to truth, which for him is a material uh, construction, that truth is something that is uh, materially created and that it cuts a hole through knowledge, that knowledge is circulated uh, wisdom and facts, uh, whereas the truth is something uh, that um, needs to be uh, constructed. And so for him, uh, a, a political philosophy that is a kind of discourse of the state, of constitutions, of uh, different norms in democratic traditions, for him, uh, that is uh, a kind of limited nature of of politics, and so uh, for him, the 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 state or political philosophy reduces uh, the individual capacity to create change or to build some tradition uh, that is different than uh, what he uh, refers to as democratic materialism. And okay. so, sorry, go ahead. sorry, go ahead. Um, no, I was just going to ask you to um, elaborate on that that notion of democratic materialism. Yeah, for for him, democratic materialism is a kind of uh, definition of change that is uh, materially constructed through the state's vision of history, the present and the future. And and for him, uh, one of the tasks of philosophy, if it's truly to have a, a relationship to truth, then it, it's a it's a construction, almost a scientific mathematical construction that has a relationship to equality. And for him, uh, that means uh, taking a militant position uh, separated from the state uh, in order to allow the truth uh, to emerge. And so that distancing, that subtraction from the state is kind of a first move to uh, create uh, what the possibility of politics uh, can be. And that sets them apart from most normative philosophical uh, traditions that function in political philosophy. You've raised Baju's ideas about truth and being, and I'm wondering if you could say a little bit more about how his thinking on the event helps you to think through these questions. Uh, there's, uh, I, I think, uh, with the the, the event, uh, what Badu sort of brings to the table that makes it uh, relevant in the ecological question. I don't get into answering this question about whether um, this notion of climate change or the Anthropocene is an event or whether it's a new truth in the field of science. Uh, but this question of the relationship of, of uh, being uh, to the event uh, and this sort of militant uh, fidelity that's created through this new truth is uh, uh, something uh, that Badu, uh, that sets him apart from other people thinking through these questions. And so 
uh, to uh, anyone can be, but not everyone can be a subject uh, for him. And the subject has a militant fidelity to tr- to the truth that has a relationship uh, to the event. And the event can only be uh, signified retroactively after that's uh, that's happened. And in uh, some sense, for Badu, May sixty eight for him uh, is an event. Uh, and there are many other examples of revolutionary uh, traditions. It doesn't always have to be uh, political uh, an event. It can function in any of the other uh, truth procedures. But I think it raises um, the stakes of the environmental question about having to consider uh, whether the Anthropocene or the ecological question today constitutes itself as an event or a new truth in the field of science. And if there is going to be a militant uh, relationship uh, to that truth, if that is indeed an event, then what is to be done today? What is the nature of being today? And how is it to be situated? And what is its relationship to politics going to be? I think these are the questions that I'm trying to get into in the in the book. Mm-hmm. You're, what you j- were just saying makes me want to back up a little bit and ask you to say more about militancy. Um, how Badu thinks about that, how you're thinking about that in relationship to his work. What what is it? What does it mean, militant militancy? Yeah, it, it, for him, uh, he. Um, he puts together the terms militant and fidelity because for him, uh, the fidelity to the truth and to stay away from uh, uh, the exhaustion uh, and the corruption that can come from distancing oneself from truths that emerge. And uh, for him, he draws that into mathematical and scientific principles in terms of um, how uh, the event uh, comes into being, how it's uh, situated, how it um, uh, uh, is turned into a material uh, reality. And uh, in that sense, uh, this uh, militancy uh, for him has a relationship to the truth. And um, in that sense, uh, he also um, draws examples historically about uh, political traditions that had militancy, but not a relationship to truth. And, you know, he cites totalitarian regimes and other types of political examples where it's not just a blind and open call uh, for a kind of blind uh, political militancy, that it's something that is constantly negotiated and interrogated and comes into being. Uh, but but it does have that relationship uh, to the event. And he gets into this work in, uh, uh, in ethics and uh, being an event uh, as well. In a third section of the book, um, you focus your attention on ideas and practices of resistance. Um, what do you have to say about the history, the philosophy of resistance here in the book? Yeah, I was, uh, I had, uh, um, finished reading Howard Cagle's book on resistance and had been doing earlier reading, uh, from, uh, Foucault where he, uh, inverts, uh, Clausewitz's, um, uh, comment that, uh, war is politics by other means. Uh, Foucault, um, in, um, uh, in uh, uh, some of his work, uh, uh, turns it over to uh, politics is war by 
by other means. And in these questions of how a social order is constructed and why his work, particularly when we're looking at international relations or geopolitics and how spatial ordering uh, occurs, uh, that there is a long tradition, uh, whether we're talking about Clausewitz or other militant uh, traditions, uh, including Mao and other totalitarian examples that are obviously uh, problematic. And um, this um, uh, kind of relationship uh, to um, um, uh, people making change and their relationship to the state is something that's always uh, brings up new questions. Uh, it was covered partially by uh, people like Carl Schmidt on the partisan. Uh, there's um, uh, new work uh, uh, presently coming out uh, as, as well from other uh, continental philosophers. Alberto Toscano has written a book recently on the fanatic. I think these are all also very relevant when applied to uh, the environmental question today. Does the question of violence come in here? Uh, not in a, a, a large sense, but uh, the question of resistance that Kegel goes through uh, does uh, get into questions of the relationship of violence and truth. And I think those are obviously uh, problematic um, uh, concepts and contexts, uh, but they certainly are part of that philosophical tradition. And And one of the things that, um, uh, is at stake today um, is uh, as uh, we see a kind of polarization, um, uh, both uh, in terms of inequality, in terms of exacerbation uh, by um, environmental questions, that these uh, divisions uh, that exist today, that pre-exist uh, environmental questions, but are exacerbated by them, that we're going to see these questions come into play more and more so. And that's why we see um, uh, areas like uh, the U.S. military uh, and other ones uh, doing uh, strategic threat assessments related to climate change that go into the future um, 30 or 40 years hence that are part of their situational planning. And so these are uh, questions that aren't just uh, relevant in philosophy or being considered, but in fact uh, have found their ways into uh, military planning itself as well. I noticed that in this section of the book, you reach for Fanon and Glenn Coulthard and some of these other thinkers. And so I'm wondering about the role that the issue of imperialism, colonialism, some of these other questions play in, in this discussion for you. Yeah, in, in, in terms of um, Badu, uh, a lot of his um, writing related to the colonial question um, uh, relate to Algeria, and though he references them somewhat in other uh, contexts, in some sense they're in need of some renovation, uh, and uh, Glenn Coulthard's work, Red Skin, White Masks, and his use of Fanon to um, interrogate um, Hegel and the master-slave dialectic, these are I think very relevant questions uh, in in a much broader sense. Um, you know, it's very difficult to think of an ecological solution or uh, some kind of uh, movement uh, uh, towards um, making the situation 
somewhat better without uh, a connection to uh, Aboriginal ways of being and thinking and relationships to the land. And so I think uh, besides uh, Glenn's work, there's many, many other thinkers as well that are putting these questions uh, into a contemporary context with uh, a historical uh, a context, uh, a colonial um, uh, a call for decolonization that's very relevant today that I think also points towards uh, a future um, related not just to those questions specifically, but to the ecological question today. The ecological question today is very much tied into the Aboriginal question as well. In a fourth section of the book, Am, you focus on geopolitics and questions of sovereignty on scales both local and global. So could you say a little bit about the, how you're using this term geopolitics in the book? Yeah, um, the geopolitics, of course, uh, came through a geography tradition and a uh, um, uh, a war lexicon and 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 um, has a connection to Mackinder and others from uh, geography, uh, but this uh, broader question of spatial ordering uh, and power and the assertions of power in a geostrategic uh, sense. I think uh, is is an important question because it, with the ecological question and with new divisions and divides that are being uh, created, it will still be um, uh, situated and mediated at levels of power. And so uh, those questions and how um, the planet is ordered and how power functions now and into the future is a very uh, relevant uh, question related to ecology. So what does it mean to speak of an accelerationist geopolitics? Once again, with uh, uh, old philosophical questions of the relationship of the human to technology and the tool and its uh, impact on nature uh, with the Enlightenment tradition uh, uh, was the view of a kind of human mastery over nature with the scientific revolution and and uh, other um, advancements of the time. And uh, critiques of that came in through the Frankfurt School um, and others. Um, but uh, today, uh, with the type of um, uh, sovereignties that uh, come with uh, uh, technology, information technology, and others, uh, the work that Benjamin Bratton and others are uh, working on, where we're really seeing, in a kind of geospatial sense, something beyond the nation-state, something beyond the Westphalian framework of a mediating dispute and conducting a kind of uh, sovereignty. And so <clears throat> these challenges to sovereignty are happening uh, through technology at the same time as the ecological question is being mediated. And so to somehow uh, bring those things into conversation together to see uh, what the new questions might be is what I was uh, attempting to do in um, uh, bringing these questions up. Uh, and accelerationism uh, is, a, is, is another one that I think relates to that as well. So what does it mean to call for or to elaborate a new nomos of the Anthropocene? Uh, in 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 terms of uh, what the speculative thinkers are doing, and and I think people like Benjamin Bratton uh, are particularly doing it well. Which you know you do have many debates uh, in ecology and uh, Marxist geography and others where uh, people are talking about the end of capitalism. David Harvey and other people that some thinkers like Bratton are sort of leapfrogging themselves uh, into the future to project forward and backward of what this other world might look like. 
that's something uh, beyond capitalism without getting fixated on these questions of how or when it might happen. So it's a purely speculative kind of uh, intervention that's being driven by uh, outside and around uh, these questions of uh, apocalypse, end of days, uh, relationship between humanity and, and capital and these types of questions that uh, somehow um, uh, jumping forward into um, uh, something beyond uh, the uh, end of the world as it is, or at least how it's functioning under a capital capitalist logic, that we can somehow uh, imagine some new context, some new um, way of being, uh, and to project uh, backwards into into present day. I think those are, uh, you know, very speculative, very theoretical, and they tend to function very much only in theory and in artistic movements and and tend not to make it into actual political life, but they're nonetheless uh, very interesting uh, approaches to some of these questions. So just to follow up on that, you write at certain points in the book about this notion of a non-capitalist modernity. Could you say more about that? Yeah, in in, in some sense, um, Badu's done a number of of, uh, interviews uh, following the situation in Greece, and uh, related to the ecological question where um, he does call for uh, the, the, the desire for a new modern tradition and what that might be. And something that's sort of against uh, a classical revolutionary vision that might also be on the side of change. And so uh, when we're talking about this uh, relation between tradition and change and this call for a new modern tradition, it also brings up the relation between uh, nature and history, and and um, those things, those kinds of questions uh, go back uh, uh, many many uh, years. And um, the 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 role of ecology in placing itself within the question of a new modern tradition, I think, opens up the possibility of talking about talking about something new. And in, in this sense, it takes it away from the question of the end of days or the impending apocalypse that oftentimes um, is associated with the environmental movement and uh, particular strains of it, like deep green ecology and other types of movements uh, such as that. And if we bring it back to the question of uh, of ontology, the science of being qua being, and we come back to uh, these questions like what is it to live and we uh, place it within the ecological question. I think we open up uh, new ways of being, new ways of doing politics and uh, disrupting a kind of the, the democratic materialist uh, world that we're, we're presently functioning in. Well, I want to ask you a little bit more about that um, and, and something you said at the outset, you know, which is that you have been for many years an activist and still are one. And I'm just wondering about, I guess this is a biographical question as well as an intellectual and political one that, you know, how you bring these things together, a a project like this one uh, and its philosophical preoccupations with the world for you and how you regard that of others of political activism. How do you bring those two together? Mm-hmm. I, I think for uh, somebody like me who has worked inside a uh, formal political sense um, and 
as a, a social activist in nonprofit organizations and other voluntary activist uh, interventions uh, is that uh, for me, and, and, and I think as a particular kind of relationship to the Olympics in Vancouver, that uh, there uh, come uh, periods of the exhaustion of the political. And, and I think that when um, things are particularly situated or there are certain closures in the political world, in the, in the mainstream political world, in the big P sense of the world, word, um, I think uh, that what philosophy and theory um, has to offer is the, the possibility of something new. And uh, one of the quotes I really like of Badu's is that for him, uh, he talks about theory being the attic in your house that you go to in a state of exhaustion where you carve your knife to go back out into battle again. And in some sense, it places it, it, it um, places a value of a kind of thinking through and a working through of uh, these closures that uh, one can go back and act uh, in the world uh, as well. And so I think I found it uh, particularly going through Badu's work and, and, and I think him having a long view of political change uh, itself uh, that I found very valuable and, and I would even say uh, therapeutic in some sense um, uh, of, of, of this kind of working through of the political of how one should be in the world and how one can possibly act in the world and that relationship between politics and truth and uh, to uh, work it through theoretically in that sense I think has been uh, quite valuable. What do you have to say in the book about the possibilities of collective interventions along these lines? Um, in, in some sense, uh, Badu's um, relationship to Lacan and how he writes about desire and uh, the notion of equality and collective movement, uh, you know, very much uh, how he's talked about it for many, many decades. It certainly has a relationship uh, to um, many things that Naomi Klein writes about in, in her book, This Changes Everything. And although uh, Klein is much more of an, an immersive journalist than she is uh, a theoret theoretician, there's certainly uh, in terms of um, uh, how my work lands down working through Badu, uh, the um, conclusions uh, in it, uh, although perhaps a, a bit more theoretical than specific, certainly have a, a relationship to uh, what Naomi Klein writes about in her book as well. You come back again and again um, throughout the book to the notion of the affirmative and affirmation and philosophy's relationship to to affirmation. And I wonder if you could say a little bit more about that. You make a couple of points about not beginning from a negation and the affirmative role of philosophy with respect to these questions of ecology. Could you say more about that? Yeah. Um, uh, Bedu gave a, a seminar um, five or six years ago, uh, a public lecture and a paper um, and he kind of reworks uh, his relationship to negation. And, and he, of course, he does that with a relationship and a discussion of Hegelian dialectics. And in order to challenge them, he presents a model of philosophy that begins with an affirmation, but still employs negation after the initial affirmative sequence. And so for him, uh, rather than beginning uh, with the negation, uh, that one should begin from an affirmative uh, structure in order 
uh, for uh, the truth uh, to to emerge. And he does this by uh, arguing for uh, a kind of subjectivity that comes from uh, the subject and the movement as a first operation of the dialectic. And for him uh, to begin with the negative dialectic means that it leaves you inside of the logic of the state or inside of the logic of capital in, in some instances. And so it's in that uh, subtlety by beginning with affirmation of what the relationship to truth might be in a political sequence or movement that one can get outside of either the logic of the state or capital or whatever adversary might one be working uh, against. And so in some sense, this isn't so different than things like uh, in the time of Malcolm X when he argued that, um, you know, you can't uh, sit on your 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 hands and knees and, and beg for equality. You have to stand on your own two feet and, and uh, push back in the same way that Fennel um, um, uh, uh, talks about uh, looking away uh, from the master, uh, in some sense, he's speaking about a kind of affirmative subjectivity. Mm-hmm. So uh, this um, call around an affirmative uh, dialectic or approach has aligned with other uh, thinkers of change that uh, uh, work around uh, the notion of negative dialectic, which oftentimes uh, functions as a kind of culture in uh, activist or social change oriented organizations, um, not just specifically in ecology, but in social change in general. So I have sort of a two-part question about the conclusion and conclusions um, to the book, and that is, um, so what is bad Jews and then your and the book's perspective um, on the future with respect to the ecological question? Um, I think uh, it, uh, I don't know if there's a particular conclusion uh, per se, except that uh, there is a call for uh, a kind of um, collective universalism, a connection to equality and a connection to uh, politics as a truth procedure um, that is uh, a kind of uh, a call for. Uh, a, a kind of militant change to bring about a, a new type of world, a new way of being, uh, not just by a, a subject, but also a collectivity. And in some sense, uh, the areas where the book uh, doesn't get into, and I think this is probably the work of somebody uh, else to do, which is that uh, because Badu is known as uh, 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 somebody who works through mathematical uh, equations and set theory, that uh, the Bedou's work can be brought more forcefully, I think, in the future into the ecological question by applying some of the mathematical and scientific uh, sequences into um, the question uh, more thoroughly. And I think uh, we would be able to uh, pull Bedou a little bit further uh, into the ecological question, even though it hasn't been uh, an interest of his. It was something that I think in the book, or in in the way that I was uh, able to get into it, uh, the 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 politics and the scientific side uh, and the ecological question was uh, something I felt quite comfortable in. But because I didn't have that mathematical grounding, that wasn't something that I um, uh, ventured into. Uh, and so I think that 
where the book uh, leaves off, uh, I think, is a, a call for a kind of militant political tradition that is uh, connected to change and a call for a new modern tradition. Uh, but there is, I think, a lot of movement and room for uh, the scientific and mathematical part of Badu's uh, work to be brought into the question. So I have to ask you, um, because you mentioned having to defend the project and your ideas at some point, um, what was, is Badu's response to, to what you've produced here? Uh, yeah, he, he was, uh, he, it was a very, it was very intimidating. <laughs> um, uh, secondly, he was quite um, uh, fine and, and happy with how I had made use of his work and his general uh, philosophical orientation and how it was applied into the question. He also uh, recognized it as the, the first time that his overall uh, work had been brought into the ecological question, that it hadn't been done as a, a book or a work uh, before. Uh, he did have issues with how I defined uh, e e ecology. He he um, thought it should have been uh, uh, much uh, better defined, and so that that's where the critique uh, came from. But uh, in an overall sense, uh, it was quite uh, positive comments and a uh, huge relief to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to make you relive your dissertation defense, <laughs> given that you've actually been able to have a conversation with um, the person who is such a central subject of the book. I I had to ask. So um, what are you working on now? Uh, now I, I'm also looking at this question of a new modern tradition and trying to think that through uh, through some writing. Uh, also, uh, about six months ago, I did a, a trip uh, working on a collective project with uh, Matt Hearn and Joe Sacco, the graphic journalist, uh, around um, the question of uh, how... Uh, the question of development in the age of climate change. And we did that as a, a road trip to Fort McMurray, Alberta, where the oil sands are located, and uh, as a way of interviewing people and getting into some questions. So there's a collective, a couple of uh, writing projects that are currently in their uh, early stages. So when you're in those situations, do you hearken back to the attic in your mind? <laughs> I do, and 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 you know, I I think uh, the the theoretical uh, space and the amount of reading that I've done around it uh, that wasn't even related to my topic, I, I've still found it a wonderful place to uh, continue reading, and so I, I am. Uh, uh, going through the fanatic by Alberto Toscano, who's a, mm -hmm. a translator of Badu's. Uh, and so I think that there's a wonderful, I think E.L. Wiseman is doing really wonderful work related to politics and space and uh, forensic architecture. And so there's other people's work I'm continuing uh, now that I'm away from the specifics of a dissertation to be able to uh, get into. So uh, I'm uh, continuing to read a lot, even if I'm not necessarily uh, putting out anything in writing anytime soon. Well, um, I just want to thank you so much for joining me and for writing the book. Oh, thank you so much. It was great to, uh, great to speak with you. <laughs> 